Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of the World, will the Israel-Hamas conflict spill over into a wider war? Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories, up close where they're happening. It's Tuesday, November 7th. I'm Greg Dixon. Since Israel was attacked by Hamas a month ago, it has been waging an assault on Gaza from the air and now from the ground. And Israel says it has also been striking militants in Lebanon after a barrage of rockets aimed at Israeli cities. So are we already seeing this war spill over beyond Israel and Gaza? NPR's Michelle Martin put that question to Renda Sleem of the Middle East Institute. That's a nonpartisan think tank that seeks to promote better understanding of the Middle East. We are seeing a limited escalation, a limited spillover of the war. Uh, We are seeing uh, escalation on the Lebanese Hezbollah front. But it remains a limited tit-for-tat escalation between the two sides. And we are seeing also Iraqi militias that are close to Iran hitting U.S. assets in northeastern Syria, in western Iraq, in northern Iraq. So in that case, yes, we are seeing, but it's a limited spillover. Do you think that the potential for a broader war is part of... Israel's or Hamas's calculus right now? And I I guess I would ask you to take those separately. Uh, Hamas will benefit from escalation or from a regional expansion, partly because it will bring into the fight resources from these other actors that are allied with Hamas in the resistance axis. It will bring these resources into the fight. For Israel, I think it differs. You know, uh, I mean, Israeli officials keep saying they can fight a multi-front war without too much effort. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I think the danger of that is to expand uh, into neighboring countries. Um, And I think the U.S., the U.S. involvement, part of the reason why the U.S. has sent all these military assets to the region, including recently a nuclear submarine, is to basically deter other actors from expanding this conflict. Hmm. For Israel, especially for Israeli officials like Netanyahu, a protracted war can create maneuvering room for him to salvage his political future. And for uh, the settlers uh, groups in the West Bank, uh, for them, it might be an opportunity to achieve their long-held dreams of establishing a Jewish state without Arabs. And we are seeing forcible transfers of Palestinians from the West Bank. And uh, more than 100 Palestinians in the West Bank have already being killed by uh, settler groups. You, you said that this would, that a wider war would be in Hamas's interest because it would bring in other actors. But are there any other parties that would also benefit from this? I, I don't think that many other parties in the region will benefit. I mean, if we take the countries, you know, like whether it is Arab Gulf countries, Egypt, Jordan, uh, Turkey, even Lebanon, I mean, Iraq, all of them, I mean, the, the government themselves, all of them have said that a wider war is not in their interest. Even Iran. Iran's interest is to keep Israel mired into a never-ending conflict, especially if Israel were to reoccupy Gaza. So for Iran, that, that goes 
goes to its benefit. It doesn't seek a resolution of the conflict, but at the same time, it doesn't seek an expansion of the conflict. Hmm. There are parties here and there like Iraqi militias that are uh, interested in using this uh, conflict, in their role in this conflict, in basically highlighting the resistance narrative against Israel, the Americans, and hoping that if this expands and America enters kinetically into the war and suffers from its involvement in the war, that eventually their long-held objective of kicking America out of the region is achieved. Hmm. Just briefly, you know, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in an interview on ABC was asked, who will run Gaza after the bombardment ends? Uh, This is what he said. I think Israel will, for uh, an indefinite period, will have the overall uh, security responsibility because we've seen what happens when we don't have it. When we don't have that security responsibility, what we have is the eruption of uh, Hamas terror on a scale that we couldn't imagine. As briefly as you can, how do you think a statement like that, like that is being received? I think it's being received uh, badly in, in the region. And uh, I think Israel will be facing a, an insurgency if uh, it were to go into Gaza and reoccupy it. That is Renda Slim. She's a senior fellow at the Middle East Institute. Renda Slim, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us. Thank you. Civilians are still suffering in Gaza. They've been told to move south, closer to the border with Egypt, due to fighting in the north. Only a limited amount of aid is being allowed in from Egypt, and a small number of people are being allowed out. A surgeon from the UK recently crossed into Gaza with a team from the International Committee of the Red Cross. And Pierre's Ea Betraoui spoke with him about what he's seen as hospitals overflow with people injured by Israeli airstrikes. And a warning, this report includes graphic descriptions of their injuries. Dr. Tom Podokar tells me he's seen a catastrophic situation since entering Gaza on October 27th, the scale of which he's never seen before. I've been to Gaza many, many times over the years. I've never seen a situation even remotely as bad as it is currently. The British plastic reconstructive and burn surgeon leads what the International Committee of the Red Cross says is a war surgery team in Gaza. A lot of the cases he's handling have been women and children with very complex injuries and burns. We're seeing just polytrauma, so multiple multiple injuries in the same patient, you know, legs, arms, chest, abdomen, head. Uh, all complicated, and a lot of them by burns on top of this. Just an unmanageable number of patients. An unmanageable number of patients. I asked him what that looks like. I think that the word to best describe it would just be overwhelming, to be honest. The Palestinian health ministry in Gaza says more than 10,300 Palestinians have died from the war since October 7th, and 26,000 people have been wounded. It says among them are more than 4,200 children killed, nearly all from Israeli airstrikes and bombardment. Israel says it's targeting Hamas, which launched an attack on southern Israel that killed 1,400 people, according to Israeli officials. Some 240 people were taken hostage. And Israeli leaders say troops are aiming to rescue those hostages and eliminate Hamas. In Gaza, the death toll keeps climbing, with strikes on ambulances, hospitals, breadlines, UN-run shelters, and thousands of apartment buildings. Israel acknowledges many of these attacks and blames Hamas fighters for using tunnels under civilian infrastructure. The heads of 18 UN agencies say these places must be protected and have reiterated calls for a ceasefire. Palestinians say the majority of victims are civilians, 
and Podokar takes a minute to describe how complex even one of these cases is. I have a patient now who's on the table that I need to go and operate now. You know, he lost 20 members of his family. He's the only one left. He has friends here. He doesn't have any family here. He's a young man. He has 40% burns, of which half of them are deep burns. He has massive shrapnel wounds to the chest, to the foot, to the buttock. He's septic, so he's already got infection. You know, he's in a critical condition. Even giving him an anesthetic is extremely dangerous because of his general overall condition. But if we don't operate to to clean up some of these wounds, then, you know, the infection doesn't get controlled. You know, that's a very typical case. He also operated on a child who was under the rubble for two days. The health ministry in Gaza says nearly 1,400 children are missing under the rubble. A case of a child, again, lost all his family, pulled out of the rubble after two days with extensive burn injuries. He's slowly getting a little bit better. In another case, he had to tell the parents of a child with severe burns that their son wouldn't survive. And unfortunately, he died a couple of days later. You know, this is the reality of what's happening. And for many who may survive this war, their long-term prognosis isn't good either, he says. There's a lot of patients that will suffer significant long-term disability due to a combination of, you know, amputations, significant soft tissue injuries, delayed burn contractures. Only 17 out of Gaza's 35 hospitals are still operational. The Palestinian Health Ministry says the rest have been damaged by Israeli bombs or have run out of fuel for generators. Podokar has been working at Gaza's European hospital in Khan Yunis, one of the few still operational in southern Gaza that can receive some of the limited aid trickling in from Egypt. I asked the surgeon how he and his team are keeping safe even as the ICRC communicates with Israel and has helped in the release of four Israeli hostages from Gaza? Uh, I'm not sure we are. I mean, uh, you know, every single night there's bombardments. There were several explosions just outside the the hospital last night before we left. Um, And again this morning. Despite this, the doctor says he's got no immediate plans to leave Gaza. Not at the moment, no, because... There's no one else getting in at the moment, and, you know, the needs are too great. Yeah, I need to go. Okay. Yeah. Bye. The young man with no surviving family and burns across nearly half his body was on the operating table waiting for Dr. Podokar. Ayo Batrawi, NPR News. That's the state of the world from NPR. For more coverage of all sides of this conflict, go to npr.org slash updates. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing, like not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. Dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. 
This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.